United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. It's an anniversary of sorts. Let's talk about the serious side of things on the Singapore summit. Frank Alm is a senior expert on North Korea at the United States Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at USIP and is joining us. Frank, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. So is it really a year of nothing has happened? Yeah, you know, the Singapore summit happened last year in June. We're in June in 2019 now, and there's been no significant pro- uh, progress uh, between the United States and North Korea, despite the fact that there was uh, a second summit meeting in Hanoi earlier this year. So I, I, was the goal to actually accomplish something, or was it just to actually have the two men meet? Or was there a stated goal, do you think? Uh, are you talking about uh, the Singapore or Hanoi summit? The Singapore summit. Uh, well, I think uh, so. President Trump, before the meeting, said, and he kind of downplayed the expectations, but he said he described the meeting as a get to know you meeting plus. So he wanted to develop a relationship with Kim Jong Un. And then if anything comes out of it, uh, that would have been sort of the icing on the, on the cake. Um, but the agreement that came out of Singapore was, you know, to develop new USDPRK relations, uh, work towards a long, uh, a long standing and, and lasting peace on the Korean Peninsula, as well as North Korea's denuclearization. So, um, um, there were some uh, good commitments that came out of the meeting. Unfortunately, the implementation of those commitments uh, haven't been that uh, strong. Give us a sense, if you will, Frank. I mean, this a lot of people think about this, Donald Trump, Kim Jong-un. This is a complicated and multilateral relationship. We also have to think about South Korea. We also have to think about China. Give us a sense of the interplay now among the major players in that group. Right. So... President Moon uh, of South Korea has been trying to engage with North Korea um, and had been successful in 2018 as USDPRK relations uh, were advancing as well. Unfortunately, um, now that there's been a stalemate, uh, the inter-Korean relationship has also uh, uh, been at a pause as well. And I think President Moon has sort of run out of road in terms of things that he can do in terms of inter-Korean cooperation. Um, So I think he's looking to um, get get some uh, demonstrations of flexibility from President Trump when those two leaders meet uh, in Seoul at the end of the month. Now, in terms of China, uh, President Xi is meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un in Pyongyang um, later this week. Um, some of it is going to be just ceremonial because this year marks the 70th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between North Korea and China. At the same time, China will probably try to further uh, th- uh, their interest by you know, warning against additional North Korean provocations, but also encouraging North Korea to continue with diplomacy with the U.S. Again, uh, Frank Alm is with us, a senior expert on North Korea, the United States Institute of Peace. What is the uh, we, we get mixed reports about what's happening in North Korea. Where's, what's your best information source when it comes to what's actually taking place? I mean, one minute we're hearing that somebody has been banished from the inner circle or that somebody's even been executed. And the next minute we're hearing, well, maybe that's not quite the case. So how, how do you rely on information you get from from that region? 
It's very difficult. Sometimes we'll get reports, um, as you mentioned, about uh, executions or, or top officials being sent to re-education camps. And these come from South Korean media sources, oftentimes just one single source. So I think you have to uh, be very wary of taking those uh, uh, reports too seriously until you can get uh, additional verification from, um, from, for example, North Korean defectors or actual statements by the North Korean media itself. I ask that in part because there had been some rumors that members of the team that had been um, tasked with negotiating with the United States had been killed as a result of their failure to reach an agreement. And I wonder, it, it makes me think, do you, do you know who Kim Jong-un turns to? Uh, does he have anybody that really is a trusted advisor or is just everyone you know, waiting for another shoe to drop with him? Yeah, so the advisors that he has used uh, consistently is, um, you know, certainly his sister, Kim Yo-jung, who has been uh, basically his right-hand woman. Um, Kim Young-chol, who is the North Korean spy chief, has been uh, uh, the main advisor on security issues. There's also the foreign policy, uh, the foreign affairs officials, uh, the foreign minister, Ryung Ho, and then Tre um, Sun-hee, who is a, a vice foreign minister. Um, looks like they still um, have uh, Kim Jong-un's uh, attention and his uh, confidence, although we've seen reports about, you know, some of them being, you know, sent off to re-education uh, re camps. But then later pictures uh, emerged where, you know, for example, Kim Young-chul, the spy chief, uh, was seen with Kim, um, Kim Jong-un at, uh, at a performance. So uh, I think as far as right now, those, lead, uh, those officials still uh, remain his top advisors. And give us a sense, Frank, of how we as just sort of ordinary citizens should process information that we hear when we hear the posturing either by President Trump or from Kim Jong-un or one of his representatives in North Korea. What is it that we should take away from that? Is, it, is this just posturing? Are there messages being sent? How do you approach it so that we can better understand that dynamic? Because immediately we hear some of these uh, insults that might be tossed and people start escalating that into something that may be a little bit more than we should be making of it. Tell us how to process. Right. So uh, I think both sides are still very much committed to diplomacy and trying to reach an agreement. Um, and President Trump has and, and Kim Jong-un as well, they both have expressed um, a, uh, a cordial relationship, at least ostensibly. And so that is a signal that they want to keep that relationship going and they want to keep diplomacy going. At the same time, uh, North Korea is frustrated by uh, the, the hardline position that the administration has taken. Um, they're, they're trying to create a wedge between President Trump and some of the, the hawks in the administration, like Secretary Pompeo and, 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 and John Bolton. Um, and it, will, it remains to be seen how that turns out. But again, both sides are committed to diplomacy, it seems, but uh, they're frustrated by the maximalist positions that continue to remain. The, the position of this administration has been expressed through some of the individuals, as you just mentioned, like Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state, who said the denuclearization of the Korean peninsula is the ultimate goal. Is that something that ever is going to happen? It's not going to happen in the near future, I'll tell you that. And if it does happen, it'll, it'll take time. It'll require um, an impl uh, incremental process um, where you know, both sides provide reciprocal concessions. Um, but the U.S. policy has been to seek a comprehensive deal on denuclearization and get North Korea significant denuclearization from North Korea up front. And North Korea is unwilling to do that. They want to take time to build uh, mutual trust and do so in a more phased and step-by-step -step, uh, fashion.
Finally, the G20 is upcoming. President Trump has already said he's going to have a meeting with President Xi Jinping of China, and clearly they're going to be talking more about trade. But the question of North Korea might come up. How is the China-North Korea dynamic? Are they still the, the unruly child that they have to deal with? How, what is that relationship like? So um, the two sides, the two leaders, uh, Xi Jinping and, and Kim Jong-un, have met four times uh, last year, and this will be their fifth meeting. Um, this will be uh, Xi Jinping's first visit to uh, North Korea um, and the first visit by a Chinese leader since 2005. So um, there, there's still a, a relationship between the two. I think um, China has been um, frustrated by certain North Korean actions, but at the moment they, uh, they've rebuilt those ties, and I think they are signaling um, that those ties will continue into the future. I asked that question in part because we can only imagine that there would be some frustrations. And frank, frankly, one wonders if North Korea would even continue to exist were it not for the the uh, the umbra- umbrella of protection that China provides. Right. Well, certainly. Um, uh most of North Korea's trade, over 90% of the trade, goes through China. So China plays a significant role uh, in North Korea. At the same time, they want to make sure that there is no instability on the border. Um, they want to. Um, uh, they they very much support denuclearization, but they also agree that's probably not going to happen in the near term future. So uh, again, I think they they like the status quo where it's at right now, where there's no uh, significant North Korean provocations, but they don't want it to return to 2018 uh, or I'm sorry, 2017, where there was talk of fire and fury and potential military conflict. I think we're all hoping that the fire and fury days are behind us, but we'll we'll see if that is indeed right. the case. Frank, thank you for joining us today. Of course, thank you. Frank Om with a one-year look back, if you will, at the Singapore summit, where we are with North Korea, that relationship, and also the relationship North Korea and China. Very complicated, and uh, South Korea thrown in the mix also. So watching, fo- moving forward in there. Frank, as I mentioned, a senior expert on North Korea at the United States Institute of Peace, where the Twitter handle is at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.